0: Hey there, The Pastor's Heart is growing significantly in audience and consequently our opportunities and responsibility are growing as well and we want to get better and that takes more resources. As a listener to The Pastor's Heart, we're asking if you could help us out by financially partnering with us to help fund our production, editorial, distribution and promotion. There's a Patreon link to support The Pastor's Heart, patreon.com slash Heart, and we do so appreciate your partnership. The Pastor's Heart and Dominic Steele. And we're here on Facebook every Tuesday at two o'clock. You can catch us later on podcast on uh, Facebook or on YouTube uh, or subscribe to our email list at thepastorsheart.net. And look, thanks for those who are financially supporting us by going to patreon.com slash the pastor's heart. We exist to sharpen, encourage and strengthen senior pastors, particularly, but actually all those in Christian ministry as we engage in our common mission of seeking the, the lost and building up the saints. Uh, today, a threat to Christian ministry, a colossal blow to religious freedom. Legislation is being promoted in the Parliament of the Australian state of Victoria by that state's governing party. It's called the Change or Suppression Conversion Practices Prohibition Bill, and it carries with it consequences of 10 years' imprisonment for anyone engaging in change of suppression practices. Uh, One of our guests today, Murray Campbell, has written, this is the most significant threat to religious freedom in Victoria, in living memory. The current government has been slowly removing religious freedoms for a number of years, but nothing quite like this. So today we talk to Murray Campbell. He's the pastor of Melbourne's influential Mentone Baptist Church. Also to Chris Duke, who pastors Clifton Hill, Essendon Presbyterian Churches, and who chairs the Victorian Presbyterian Churches Church and Nation Committee. And also Neil Foster is with us. Neil is associate professor of law at Newcastle University and the author of the Law and Religion Australia blog. And look at disclosure from me. I am on the committee of the Sydney-based uh, evangelical group liberty christian ministries uh, and also the new sydney anglican pastoral ministry which is serving same-sex attracted christians and those with gender incongruence that's called living faith now neil can we start with you the uh, proposed law that's been put to the victorian parliament last week it is long and complex it's been through a first and second reading stage and i'm imagining will be debated at the start of next year but premier andrews has said cruel and bigoted practices that seek to change or suppress a person's sexual orientation or gender identity will soon be stamped out across Victoria thanks to the new laws. Now, I take it there are some parts that you'd have no objections to, but some parts of the law that are going to propose law that are going to have big problems for faith communities and faith leaders in Victoria.
1: Well, Dominic, it's interesting. I was reflecting on this and thinking... I should find something good to say about this legislation, but I just think it's legislation that is responding to um, a problem that doesn't exist anymore um, in broad terms. Most people clearly would reject the idea that we should be um, you know, inserting electrodes into people's brains or uh, somehow trying to uh, change them against their will in terms of their sexual desires. Uh, nobody, nobody in Australia would suggest that that's a good thing. Um, and yet that's not what this bill is targeted at. If, since those sorts of things are not really happening anymore, uh, mainstream psychologists are not engaging in these uh, terrible practices. Then you've got to ask what the purpose of the legislation is and the purpose of the legislation seems to be to target Christian and not just Christian religious groups who have a traditional view of sexual behaviour and so honestly there's very little to say good about the bill insofar as it yes insofar as it stops those horrible practices from ever happening again that would be fine and if it was confined to Um, something that's compulsory, something that uses over the top and oppressive medical procedures. Yes, that would be a good thing. Uh, But for example, the bill um, criminalises or makes it unlawful to engage in the um, change or suppression practices even if the person consents to them, even if someone comes and says, I want to help. So very hard to see very much good about about this law at all, actually.
0: Murray, is that your Murray Campbell from Mantone Baptist Church? Is that your reading oh. as well?
1: Uh, it is.
2: Uh, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a pastor of a church, but I have uh, been uh, following this debate very closely over the last uh, two to three years, and so in my, my thinking is similar uh, to Neil. And the first time I ever heard of conversion practices was about three, four years ago when a, a journalist was uh, talking to me, and he asked, "What did I think?" And uh, it was the first time I'd ever come across it. And I think if we're wanting to have a conversation about some uh, awful, wrong, and archaic practices that that a few religious groups uh, were in, engaging in in a year, many, many years ago, then I'm happy to have that conversation. With, you know, shock therapy, aversion therapy. Um, and I think I, you know, I acknowledge that these things happened, though rarely, but they did happen years ago. And I wouldn't want anyone being subject uh, to to that. And the, the government last year, in, in a report that they wrote, they acknowledged there there are narrow and broad definitions of conversion practice, and they wanted to pursue a broad definition. And so it's not only uh, trying to prohibit those. Practices which, as far as I'm aware, are not being done anywhere anymore, anyway, uh, but to include what we would consider a a normal, classical uh, understandings of of the Christian faith when it comes to to prayer and to conversation. Chris
0: Duke, if I could draw you in here, um, is it your understanding that the current proposal of the bill would potentially make it illegal to just read out in church Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Timothy 1, in a church in Victoria, or, or even as far as reading out Mark ten or Mark nineteen, where the Lord Jesus is talking about um, in the beginning God created the male and female, does it go that far?
2: From
3: from my point of view, I think that um, that's not necessarily going to uh, stop pastors from reading those uh, passages out. But I, I think that uh, some may interpret uh, those passages and and see that they um, they have. Certainly, they have potential for somebody getting upset and uh, drawing us into um, potential uh, uh, legal uh, arguments about these, and 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 uh, maybe even further um, uh, issues around around just proclaiming uh, the, and reading those passages, and even preaching and teaching on them. Um, at this stage, it's it's unclear, and. The, the memorandum doesn't. Uh, the memorandum of uh, understanding doesn't really uh, give us give us a clear uh, basis on on what they actually mean. But it certainly certainly gives the impression that that could be a problem in the future.
2: And although the memorandum also uh, includes that a conversation uh, may be uh, considered a conversion practice, That's right. uh, and so a conversation with with a faith leader. Um, can be, it, that's not in the bill itself, but it is in the memorandum. Uh, and, and so what you need to do, I think, is to look at not only what the bill states, but at what the memorandum suggests, and then all these accompanying uh, reports and publications that the government have been providing for the last 12 to 18 months. And and when you read those reports, it, it's pretty clear that they're wanting to target, uh, again, not that just that those narrow and, and dreadful practices from a generation ago, uh, but indeed to, to stamp down and to discourage conversations that include uh, expressing a biblical vision for human sexuality.
1: In relation to the question about, for example, a sermon or a reading out of the Bible, we need to be careful, I think, to not overstate the, the effect of the drafting. Um, and in fact, I was somebody sent me very kindly um, a copy of the... Um, Another document associated with the bill, which is uh, a tabling of what's called a statement of compatibility with human rights. And when you read between the lines, not between the lines, when you carefully read the way that that is framed, um, it does suggest that they don't want to target sermons. That particular statement says, um, although broad, the definition has been designed to exclude conduct that is not directed at an individual to reduce its impact on religious practices such as sermons. Now, that's in the statement that was filed by the Minister of compatibility with human rights. And so the trouble is, it's not obvious on the face of the bill that that's uh, an accepted limitation on what the legislation is about. And so I think many people are rightly concerned well, will not preaching uh, if it's uh, directed at telling people the Bible's view of uh, sexual activity, which is that sex is designed for only between a man and a woman in marriage, will not that be you know, interpreted as uh, trying to change someone or suppress someone's uh, sexual orientation? So there's documents you can find, such as this statement of compatibility, which say, oh, well, it's not designed to impact sermons. Uh, and they even go to say it's not designed to... Uh, impact general discussions of religious beliefs that aim to explain these beliefs. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the is fi- a very fine line between I'm going to lead a Bible study tell you what the Bible's view is on sex into, oh, you know, well, I'm a same-sex attracted person in the group and uh, I want some assistance in obeying the Bible, can you help me? That's a very fine line and uh, it will make it very hard for people who want to teach the viewers of the Bible and people in other religious traditions who want to teach their views uh, to make sure they're not crossing that line.
0: That explanation that you've just uh, given us there, Neil, that wasn't clear at all to me from the reading of either the, the legislation or the uh, explanatory memorandum. But uh, So I feel like if I'm confused, others are going to be massively confused on that topic as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the fact is that I had to dig around into the minutiae of, of uh, you know, the, the pages of Hansard to find this uh, statement of compatibility. Um, it's, it's buried in there. It is there and I'll try and put it up on my blog at some stage. But um, uh, on the face of it, on the face of it, the legislation could cover those sorts of things like sermons, like leading Bible studies, talking about um, Romans 1. And uh, I just think it's, it's, uh, it's bad legislation when you have to resort to these subsidiary statements made in Parliament. There should be clarity, absolute clarity. And one of the problems with the legislation is that even though, as I said before, I think this is targeted at religious groups, there's nobody else doing these things other than allegedly religious groups. There's no recognition in the bill of religious freedom there's no recognition that this is a value that needs to be balanced. All we have is a very ambiguous and broad statement that the bill is meant to be compatible with the Charter uh, of Human Rights that's enforced in Victoria. And uh, you have to get to the, uh, the Minister's explanatory memorandum where she says, oh, well, OK, we recognise religious freedom. But honestly, it's, uh, it's, it's really very much uh, put to one side and ignored in this bill. And so that, I think, Victorian people... Should be saying to their governments, "Look, we've got a charter of human rights. What's this is all about? When it's meant to protect religious freedom,
3: it doesn't allow, uh, as Neil's pointed out, doesn't allow for a, a person to, um, if they want to seek uh, uh, cancelling in this area, even even if they give consent, uh, they uh, that can that's considered to be suppressing, um, uh, cha- you know, suppressing." And, and it's prohibited under this legislation. So it just, uh, when somebody gives consent, they don't have the right to actually uh, get that. And the person giving that uh, counsel or even just a prayer, uh, they, they'll find themselves in trouble with this legislation.
2: So just to be clear that preaching is not mentioned in the bill and so there is, there is ambiguity and Neil's been very helpful in how he's explained that. Uh, prayer is mentioned as a form yeah. of conversion or suppression practice in the bill itself. Uh, yeah. So play it out for me. If the bill
0: goes through unamended, what's going to happen when a young Christian person who's experiencing feelings of same-sex attraction comes to talk to their pastor, uh, comes to talk to a faith leader about these unwanted feelings Um, unwanted temptations that they're experiencing, um, uh, where do we go from there?
1: There are are ways of reading the legislation which would protect the right to do that. Um, One could say, for example, in telling someone and encouraging someone to behave in a way that's consistent with biblical norms, that you are not intending to change their fundamental orientation. Accepting that um, someone may experience same-sex attraction, uh, obviously many people experience heterosexual attraction who are not allowed, according to biblical norms, to express that in acts of sexual intercourse outside marriage. And so the pastor could say, just as I would say to a young heterosexual bloke who said, and I feel like I need to sleep with my girlfriend, I would say, I'm sorry, that's contrary to the Bible and you ought to not do that then that would be the sort of counselling that could be given to someone in this situation. And one could argue that under the legislation that does not uh, amount to an attempt to change or suppress someone's sexual orientation. But the problem that, that rises is that in some pieces of legislation sexual activity and behaviour has been, sorry in some court cases, sexual activity and behaviour has been equated with sexual orientation and the view has been taken that someone who is um, same-sex attracted absolutely must be able to express that in um, sexual activity with someone from the same sex otherwise they're being suppressed in some way. So that's that's the debate that will be around in this area, I think, if that sort of thing happens. Um, and the other thing to point out, of course, and we haven't had time to go into the nitty-gritty of the bill, is that um, the criminal offences require serious harm or harm to be committed to, shown and proven to somebody, to happen to somebody as a result of these practices, and so the normal criminal standard of beyond reasonable doubt will apply. You'll have to show if a person says, I'm suffering a long-term psychological condition um, as a result of this counselling, then certainly that will have to be proven on the criminal standard of proof and all those sorts of things. So it will be hard to do that. But even if you don't look at the criminal offences in the legislation, the civil regime that's set up by the law is also very intrusive and gives the uh, commission in Victoria uh, very great powers to investigate whether there's a sort of systematic um, teaching that might lead to the view, really, to be blunt, the view that homosexual activity is is, uh, sinful and contrary to God's will. And so I think that's also something to be concerned about, the powers that are given to the Human Rights Commission in those circumstances. And
3: and the Human Rights Commission has the power to... uh uh, request uh, copies of sermons and 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 uh, teaching material as well.
1: Mm. Yes, I think that's right. So, and the one of the suggestions that's been made to me is that um, perhaps some of the harsher aspects of the criminal legislation part of this regime might be toned down in passage through parliament. Uh, on the basis that the civil regime would be acceptable. But I don't think the civil regime is a good idea either because it's a very intrusive um, type of, gives very intrusive powers to conduct wide-ranging investigations of what's being taught in churches. And unfortunately, I think uh, that is going to be a
0: bad thing. I'd actually be arguing that God's word is good for you and uh, good for my same-sex attracted friend, good for my friend with gender dysphoria, um and and so uh far from harm, the intent of the Christian pastor is actually to be a blessing to people. Murray, do you want to
2: speak on that sure i mean I try, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news and it's it 's good news for for everyone uh, who comes to to understand and to believe and so when i 'm uh preaching when i i 'm uh, pastoring people and engaging with people. I'm not trying to change anyone's sexual orientation. I don't believe that the Bible says that when you become a Christian, your sexual orientation is going to change. And so in terms of what Christians do believe and practice and teach, we're not saying become a Christian and your sexual orientation will be automatically different at all. Now, we do know that there are some people whose orientation changes over time when they become a Christian or... Uh, with age and maturity, but that often does not happen, and and so what the Bible does teach is that when we come to faith in Jesus, uh, we want to to be sanctified. That is, we want our lives to, to please God. We want our uh, sexual practices to be in accord with uh, God's uh, purposes, and, and that means uh, sex is reserved for the the marriage covenant between a man and a woman, and, and so. The, the, the aim uh, for the, the Christian, no matter what your uh, sexual uh, orientation is, it is to be holy, uh, to, to be godly. And, and so I, I think the, the issue in, in, in the bill, in part, for, for, for me as a pastor, is, is not trying to change someone's sexual orientation, but is this language of suppression. And, and, and does that mean if I am praying for someone if someone says can you pray for me that my life is uh, going to be godly and pleasing to to, uh, to Jesus am i suppressing them by by praying a prayer that that they are going to be godly and so not act out on sexual desires um, outside of that marriage covenant between a man and, and a woman and, and so that that's some of my uh, concerns and I'm also concerned uh, for for people in in, in my church and in other churches and people in the community who may come and say, you know, we're really, we're wrestling with these, uh, these issues. We want to have some conversations. What do, What's the, the Christian point of view? And there are people out there who, who may be uh, fearful or apprehensive now that these, can we have these conversations? And, and it's as though that the idea of conversion is a one-way street now and that both the Premier and the Attorney General in their rhetoric have made that really clear, that they oppose not only the practices, but the ideas behind the practices. And, and so for someone who's saying, I am struggling with, say, uh, gender dysphoria, uh, the government is saying, well, there's only one route for you and you are to convert. Uh, and, and that may not be the the, the best thing for, for that adult, for that child, whoever it is.
0: Can I ask Chris, what conversations have you had with other faith leaders um, perhaps with the Muslims, uh, other groups uh, who are also concerned about this uh, proposed legislation?
3: Well, we, we've just opened up dialogue with the uh, uh, the Muslim um, group and I'm actually meeting with them. Um, so just to see what their uh, views are. I think they're, they're, they're concerned about it. They're, uh, it's caught up. It's, it's probably uh, they've just caught up with it. Um, it's... Um, and they're just starting to come to understand what this uh, legislation is about, and, and uh, yeah, we're just interested to know what the, what they think. Um, look, uh, as we know in the Christian community, there are varied views about around these issues, and some denominations uh, will will embrace it, and and others, um, such as our own denomination, will uh, you know we we we're at the other end of the, the spectrum, I suppose and you know we just feel that uh we don't have that liberty at the moment uh, uh if this is if, if this is passed uh, to um yeah i think it is designed to inhibit uh, our, our uh, freedom in in the way in which we present the gospel but at the same time i hope and trust that that's it it won't inhibit us but it it's certainly going to have that effect and and uh our, our, our Attorney General here in Victoria has basically said that, uh, you know, they want to abolish these practices, uh, so-called practices, um, but they also want to abolish anyone who has the views. So they want to abolish the views. Uh, so that that is, in one sense, suppressing uh, re- religious liberty.
0: Your pastor's heart on all of this, uh, Murray, what's... Uh what have your feelings and emotions been through this journey
2: uh, oh, uh, mixed um, I think it's a great opportunity for for Christians to uh, explain and to share what we do believe about the the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and what the Bible does and doesn't say about uh, human uh, sexuality. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for us to to reaffirm that. We believe every single person is made in the image of God Uh, and no matter how they understand their sexuality or or gender. And that means they have inherent uh, worth and dignity and they need to be loved and honored. And uh, at the same time, we we, we want to keep saying that the the gospel is good news and we want to persuade people that it is good news. So it's a great opportunity uh, uh, to do that. I think also uh, there are a lot of Christians, pastors and denominational leaders even, who are fearful of this bill, apprehensive. And I think they're fearful of, of how it will come across if they speak up publicly. And, and so I think they're, at the moment, pref- preferring to uh, remain uh, quiet. I don't think that's an option uh, because I think there are very real ramifications uh, for, for churches. And I think uh, we do need to, to speak up. It's unlikely that I, the bill will change significantly before it's voted on next year. That's my, my sense, uh, just looking at the, the numbers in the, the upper house, especially in, in the Victorian Parliament. Um, but I think it is a good opportunity for us to, to be clear uh, and to keep uh, speaking. And, and there may come a cost uh, with that. And I think it's important for us to, to share that and to explain that to our congregations um so there, there's some of the, the thoughts and and the feelings and that are, i guess going through my mind um, but i know the lord jesus is good and he's true and uh, we put our faith in him not in in governments um but we do try to uh, and we continue to pray for our government we do it at, at mentone all the time uh, for yeah, our too. victorian government and uh, but we do want to speak up and say hey you've got this wrong you you've uh, this is overreach uh, you haven't understood these issues and and please correct it. So there, there are some things that we, we agree with you, uh, but you, you, it's important for you to, to understand where you got it wrong and we would like these, uh, these uh, mistakes, if they are mistakes, if not conscious decisions, uh, we would like them to be amended. Hmm. Um,
0: final word, Neil Foster?
1: One of the things that's uh, deeply concerning is uh, what's said in the Minister's second reading speech about an example, a specific example she gives about what will be caught by the bill. She says a person going to a religious leader seeking advice on their feelings of same-sex attraction and the religious leader telling them that they are broken and should live a celibate life for the purpose of changing or suppressing their same-sex attraction. Now, that's uh, deeply disturbing. Uh, Maybe that language of broken isn't uh, something we would use all the time, but the Bible does refer to... uh, problem between humanity and God. Um, It talks about the fact that God requires a certain standard of behaviour from people. It talks about his wonderful act of saving us but the fact is those sorts of things that the minister talks about uh, are found in the Bible and uh, it seems very deeply disturbing that she's concerned that uh, those sorts of things would fall under the prohibitions uh, in this legislation.
0: Neil Murray, Chris, thank you very much for being with us this afternoon on the Pastor's Heart. Uh, that's uh, Neil Foster, associate professor of law at Newcastle University, and also the author of the Law and Religion blog. Murray Campbell, the pastor of Melbourne's Mentone Baptist Church, and uh, Chris Duke, who pastors Clifton Hill and Essendon Presbyterian churches, and also who chairs the Victorian Presbyterian Churches Church and Nation Committee. You've been with us on The Pastor's Heart and we'll look forward to your company next Tuesday afternoon.